This is an AMI podcast. Before we get started, I want to acknowledge that this podcast was produced and hosted on the unceded ancestral and traditional lands of the Squamish, the Musqueam, and the Tsleil-Waututh First Peoples. I'm honored to live, to work, and to play on these lands. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Accessing Art with Amy. I'm your host, Amy Amanti. My pronouns are she, hers. My guest today is Alan Shane. He's a multidisciplinary artist working in theater, storytelling, stand-up comedy, and dance. But with so many things to talk about, I decided that I wanted to focus on his work in comedy because I love to laugh. And I think that Alan has a really sharp wit. And if you check out some of his routines on YouTube, YouTube will be guaranteed to have a good laugh. So joining us today from his home in Ottawa, Canada, please give a warm welcome to Alan. Hello, I'm Alan Chain. I'm a white in Ottawa. I'm short, brown hair, and blue eyes, and I use a power wheelchair. Welcome, Alan, to Accessing Art with Amy. I'm really happy to have you with us today. Thank you, Bradley. So, Alan, I understand that you're a comedian, that you're a storyteller, a real funny human being, and we're going to get into some of those conversations. But first off, you know, I would love for you to, to share with us, if you're comfortable, a little bit about who you are as a person. What do we need to know about Alan? Oh, I'm a really funny guy. Some people think I'm good-looking, some are others <laughs> maybe not so much. How did you get involved in uh, in comedy? Because you've been doing it for, what, more than 30 years? Yeah. So um, I've always liked to make people laugh. And that's a lot because I like to laugh myself. <laughs> a pretty silly guy. <laughs> but right when I was a kid, I became aware how a lot of people were a bit nervous or anxious about talking to me or even approaching me. And, you know, I'm someone that's pretty sociable. Mm-hmm. So I discovered that if I could make someone laugh when they first met me, they were more likely to want to keep talking and hanging around me. You know, it's so interesting that you say that, Alan, because I think there's a lot of folks that identify with disability that feel very similar in, in what you just said about the, the fact that there was this anxiety about coming up and talking to you. Because I get that all the time. Um, yeah. If I have my, my white cane out, it's like I'm almost invisible. Yeah, people can pretend that we're not there. Yeah. <laughs> so you found that, that comedy was the master disarmer. Yeah. I love you for because I found that laughter is a connection. It's an emotional response. 
And I always refer to this line from a comic book character who uh, was a comic in the 50s. And he had a line that says, comedy is the shortest distance between two people. Oh, I love that, Alan. So, uh, I've always given some workshops in comedy, and I always introduce comedy in that way, because some people feel comedy is about making fun of Mm -hmm. other people, putting people down. But that's not what the only thing that comedy can be. You know, comedy can be so many different things. And I think I've always felt that the real power in comedy is that they can is the connection that you can make through comedy. And also, what you can get away with saying and doing if you're funny. So, in my comedy act and my theater, a lot of my material is making fun of cultural attitudes towards disability. And I more often not perform for mostly able-bodied or non-disabled people. So I always feel like I'm probably making fun of a lot of the things that my audience actually is thinking. But because I'm being funny about it. They can laugh about it. And then we can connect through through that bond. Even though I'm making fun of what most people are probably thinking about who who right. I am. Um yeah you're 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 addressing it before <laughs> anybody has the opportunity to to say anything, right? Yes, yeah, again, comedy and being funny allows you to say things that you might not otherwise get away with <laughs> saying. <laughs> so, Alan, I mean, I was reading a bit about um, about you and your bio and checking out your website, which I encourage everybody to do. I'm wondering about, there's a, a story that you talk about just briefly about falling off the stage. I wonder if you can tell us that story. It was my very first time going up at Yuck Yuck's Comic Camp in Ottawa. And the manager and MC was a bit nervous about me going up, but... Convince them that you know they could just 
help me out of my wheelchair mm-hmm. and walk up onto the stage and sit in a regular chair. The stage was only about a foot and a half, but, you know, a big enough step to, for it to be a bit of a barrier for me or someone who has trouble walking. Um, so I was doing my idea, it was going great, and then I had a bit where I thought I would stand up out of my uh-huh. chair and say that I was now going to juggle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I had these pair of socks that rolled up into two balls that I was going to, you know, pretend to juggle, but I just throw them out into the audience and then say, oops. <laughs> okay. But instead, what happened is when I threw those socks out, I kind of lost my balance and ended up falling into someone's <laughs> lap. I ended up falling. Oh, he had to stand up and catch oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> and then the manager and MC said, Holy cow! And that was the end of my act. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then when they came here, actually, the manager congratulated me after my set and said, You know, I should come back. But on one condition, I don't stand up while we're doing stand-up comedy. Oh my gosh! What? Oh my gosh, Alex! What? What was the reaction of the audience? Were they thinking, "Oh, this is part of the act," or were they thinking, "I mean, I can only imagine." No, it was a bit of a, of a pause. And a bit of a hush in the audience. And uh, they, they were a bit yeah. worried. And, and then the MC who happened to be this great big guy came running and pulled me back up on stage. But he did it, ill by grabbing me from around the waist, and we were had mount the mic out of the mic stand, and it was swinging back and forth. And all I could think about saying was, that was not supposed to happen. And to this day, everyone at YX tells me that was the best comeback line. That's awesome. Once the audience saw it was okay, you know, everyone 
collapse. But yeah, it was that moment of, oh no. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I mean, I think the real skill set of a comedian is being able to have those comebacks. Because that's one of the hardest things for me is when somebody says something, I never think of the comeback. And then it's like two days later, I think to myself, oh, I should have said this. You know, I'll remember that for next time. And I never do. So kudos to you for being a quick wit and able to come back with something like that. And I talk about that too again uh, when I'm talking about comedy is that I use it to say all those yeah. things that, you know, you wish you would have thought about saying at the time. Yeah. So in my comedy, for example, I talk about going out to a restaurant with my brother and the waiter comes up and starts talking to my brother as if he's taking care of me. And the waiter asked my brother, how many menus do you want? So in my comedy, I say, I decide to answer that question. I say, hmm, well, there's two of us at the table. So I will take four <laughs> and see after the, it happened, you know, my brother and I were talking about how frustrating it was and then we were laughing about what all the things that we could have said that we didn't think about saying. But then, you know, I use these moments as material in my comedy or my theater or my storytelling where I feel I kind of get to say those mm-hmm. things that I wish I had said in the moment. <laughs> Alan, have you, in all of the 30 years of traveling and because, you know, you've done extensive travel with uh, with your comedy and your other artistic endeavors, have you discovered any real barriers being a person that lives with cerebral palsy? Yeah. You know, I started in the late 80s, early 90s um, when I feel there wasn't as much awareness of disability as there is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that we don't still face incredible barriers. But back then, uh, I did come up against the issue of having to prove myself over and over and over again and the focus was on my cerebral palsy speech that they 
will really know understand me. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, I've been doing this for a while, and <laughs> people seem to laugh at the right moment, so I think they understanding me, and I would get a comment back, well, we know it's that not everyone laughs. And I said, well, you know, that might not be because they didn't understand me. That might be because they don't find me funny. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Not everybody finds the same things funny. Yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, they wouldn't ever say that to any other comical performer. And he didn't make everyone laugh all the time. Um, so but I had to constantly be proving myself over and over and over. You know, yes, audiences will be uncomfortable at, at first, but, you know, that's part of what I navigate yeah. Part of what I do with my comedy. So, there was, uh, you know, that video of, you know, Peter. I had to work a lot more on, you know, to get the same opportunities. Which I think is the experience of is the experience of a lot of other equity-seeking performers. Absolutely. I feel feel similar when I go to an audition to do something, too. I think, oh, gosh, what are they going to think? That the blind girl needs a lot more help to do anything than anybody else does. So I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some comics on the show might have felt that they had to take care of me, and also, you know, comedy and performing involved a lot of traveling, so there was a big uncertainty from managers and bookers that I would mm-hmm. be able to even get there. <laughs> Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, speaking of travel, though, Alan, were there some, I don't know, is there a favorite place that you performed at somewhere in the world that you just loved or or even hated, I suppose, a place you hated? <laughs> um, I'll start with the ones that I loved. Um, I got the incredible opportunity to perform in Australia in Ooh, 2001, Australia. yeah, the Paralympics. Yeah. And I was in the Paralympic Art Festival for a week. And then I um, just decided to stay there for a couple months and see how much work I could get. And I managed to 
get quite a few shows that took me all over Eastern Australia. I really loved performing there because it seemed to be a culture where everyone really supported live performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I was Canadian, so yeah. uh, that was a big draw to Australians feel that Canadians are their best buddy. <laughs> so that helped too. That sounds incredible. Yeah. So, Alan, we're going to transition to playing the mixed bag. Are you ready for some random, I don't know, humanizing questions? Sure. Awesome. So here we go, my friend. I've got three questions for you. They're kind of rapid fire. So your first question is, what's the last thing you binge watched? Oh, it was (laughs) Seinfeld. Seinfeld? Yeah. Were you revisiting? Yeah, yeah. And uh, everyone probably knows they have all the episodes up on Netflix. So I got sucked into watching them all over again. Good for you. Sometimes I think we need to revisit like shows that offer us nostalgia, you know, for a good laugh. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they are good life. <laughs> do, do you take any inspiration for your comedy routines when you watch shows like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Seinfeld, I just take inspiration about how silly you can be. Uh, and how you can talk about absolutely nothing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, okay. Here's the next question for you. What's your favorite ice cream flavor and why? Oh, man. There's so many to choose from. So little time. 20 seconds. Oh, um, <laughs> I will go with uh, chocolate mint. Um, oh, that's my favorite too. Oh yeah, chocolate oh, mint. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you like the big chunks of chocolate or like the little tiny mint cho- chocolate? Oh, either one. Either one. You'll oh, take either both. one. Yeah. We have a, an ice cream place here in Vancouver where I am uh, that has two hundred flavors, and so you go there and you just keep sampling them. And by the time you're done sampling, you don't actually need to buy any ice cream because you've had so much, (laughs) but they have every flavor from durian uh, to wasabi to one that I actually really liked, which was a balsamic vinegar one. And I thought it was going to be awful, but it was actually really nice. So there you go. Do you still also have that? French fry place that adds like hundreds of different flavors of French fries. I don't know. That sounds like something I need to Google. Yeah, I was there when I back. It was like 20 years ago now. 
Yeah. Well, I suppose uh, I suppose if I discover it, I'll have to go out and visit and let you know what all the flavors of French fries are. <laughs> and here's the last question for you, Alan. And it, it kind of relates to travel, which is what we were just talking about. One place in the world that you've never been, but is on your list to see. Oh, my God. Well... I know it sounds weird, but I've always loved, I've always, I've always wanted to go into the far north. The far north, yeah. Um, I I really love, um, out out of the ordinary landscapes, and, you know, the north is reference so much in terms of our identity as Canadians and yet most of us have never been to I'd the love North. to see the Northern Lights. Yes, and I, I would love just to experience the the vastness of, yeah. of the North. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Alan. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. If uh, friends want to connect with you, they can reach you through email, I hear. Can I give out your email address? Yeah, please. It's Alan Shane, A-L-A-N-S-H-A-I-N at yahoo.ca. Thanks so much for joining us, Alan. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Something different for this episode's quote of the day. Alan so eloquently shared with us his favorite quote by comedian Victor Borg. Laughter is the shortest distance between two people. Thanks for listening to Accessing Art with Amy. This podcast is produced by me, Amy Amant. Technical production by Jacob Shumansky and Sam Robinson. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. If you'd like to reach out to the show with any of your thoughts, you can do so by email at feedback at ami.ca or by phone at 1-866-509-4545. Thanks again to my special guest today, Alan Shane. Keep exploring. See you next time. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Shaun of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.